Apollo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. <clears throat> Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Mike Spaulding, this story, and we talked about it earlier this morning off the air. It's one of those examples of anybody who thinks that there is no such thing as bad publicity. And I always say that they've never had bad publicity. And this is one of those classic stories. But so before we launch into this, I, I, I want to I want to give a spoiler alert here. Yesterday on on HBO Max, the the new reboot of, of the old show from, you know, a decade ago, Sex in the City, they, they call it. And just like that, the first couple episodes dropped yesterday. So there, there's a big surprise in the first episode. And if you watched it, you know that. But it, it's also it's being written about all, all over. So if somehow you haven't seen it and you haven't looked at any sort of newspapers or anywhere on the internet, it remains a surprise. We're going to talk about that, that spoiler in about 30 seconds or so, because it, it leads to this point that, you know, Mike and I were talking about off the air earlier this morning. So if you haven't heard it and you're one of those people who's really into this new show and just like that, and you, and you don't want to hear the spoiler from the, the first episode that again, it, it's, it dropped last night. You know, I'm going to give you about another 10 seconds to just, you know, change the dial for just a couple minutes, turn on Christmas music, turn down the radio, come back in five minutes. Don't, don't leave me forever, but I do want to give that spoiler alert. And even with that, Mike, inevitably, I'm going to get some text saying, you just ruined this. I was looking forward to all this, but there's only so much you can do. And like I say, this spoiler, it, it hasn't been a secret because critics have been writing about it for the last week and a half. And now the show is out there. So, all right. That, that's that's the warning. If you don't want to know what happens in the first episode of And Just Like That, which, by the way, the this, this show is getting ri- panned. It's just getting ripped by all sorts of reviewers. I, was there any way it was going to be good? It, it, to me, it was one of those things that you looked at and went, oh, this is going to be terrible. Well, and it won't matter because I feel like a lot of people will watch it because they watched the show originally, but I just don't see how it was going to be good. Well, especially since they, they had the Sex in the City, they had two movies that came out, and, and the movies, the first one made some money, maybe the second one did too, but the movies were ripped too. I mean, it was just, it was kind of like, I think Sex in the City was one of those shows that was kind of a product of its time, and sometimes you reboot stuff, but this time picking up these characters 10 or 15 years later, but but in any event, all the reviews say, this is, this is it's supposed to be a comedy, and it's just in, in incredibly unfunny okay so anyhow here's here's the thing if you are familiar with the show sex in the city it followed the the activities of four women in new york city during the like freewheeling you know they're they're freewheeling you know 20s and 30s and things like that this reboot picks it up you know years later and the principal character who is uh the the, uh you know um carrie bradshaw it stars jessica parker um in this, in the movies, she got married to the guy they called Mr. Biggs, an actor played by Christopher Noth, and and that's no secret they got married. So in the first episode of this this new show, spoiler alert once again, turn off the radio, come back in five minutes if you don't want to hear it. In the first episode of this new rebooted thing, 
he dies. He has a heart attack. And that's the whole premise, I guess, of the rest of the show is they're and this sounds like an interesting way to do a comedy. Apparently, they're coping with grief you know, that you've you know, you've you've, you've lost the, the, the guy. So that that's that's the big spoiler at the end of the, the first show. But but here's here's where it becomes interesting. There is this thing called product placement. And perhaps you have heard about it where companies try to have their products placed in in TV shows or in movies. And sometimes they, they pay for that to get the exposure. So if, if there's a movie or TV and you see everybody drinking Diet Coke, for example, that's because they made an arrangement with the producers or whatever to put those Diet Coke cans there, right? The product placement? Yes, yes, exactly. So in this particular series, what happens is Peloton, which is, of course, the, the exercise bike that was incredibly popular and you know they're still doing the ads where you're, the people are out there and they're doing the workouts over the internet and things like that. As a matter of fact, I know my uh, my um, stepdaughter has, has one and just it absolutely loves it. But the Peloton was an especially big thing last year during the pandemic. Matter of fact, they, they, they couldn't keep up with demand. Well, anyhow, in this first episode of the reboot of Sex and the City, the, the Mr. Big character, he, he's working out on on the Peloton bike. And apparently a Peloton signed off on this, gave him approval to do it. What HBO didn't tell him is that he has a heart attack while working out on the Peloton bike. I mean, it's only funny because it's the character, okay? The, the, the actor didn't die and stuff. But, I mean, he has this big workout on the Peloton bike, and he has the, the heart attack. So now you've got the Peloton bike, which is associated with the heavy workout, and this beloved character has now died. Peloton stock is down $2.15 today. <laughs> it's down like 5% because all of a sudden you now have your bike associated with th- this horrific thing involving a fictional character. Unsurprising. Well, you know what? The other problem with Peloton is that last year they went through all of the legalese with their treadmill in right. which there were malfunctions the yep. and, and kids were and pets were dying. So uh, this, I think, hits a little bit maybe too close to home for them. But you got to ask for script approval. Well, you right? would, I mean, you would you would think if I was the PR guy from Peloton and somebody said to me, well, you know, it's funny because with, with music, you know, the, the Beatles documentary came out. What One of the things, when, when you want to use music in a particular uh, a movie or a TV show or whatever, th- there's almost always we want to read the script. You know, we want to see what is the context that our song is being used in. What is the context that our product is being used in? Apparently, in this particular case, they just said, oh, you want to put the Peloton bike in the new reboot of Sex in the City? That's great. And then, huh, now we see this now again it's all a fictional thing but but the stock is down like i say it's down like five percent today other interesting thing about the peloton stock if you want to talk about i don't know if it's a fad or not at a year ago 52 week high okay so the stock right now is 38 dollars and 57 cents Okay, thirty-eight fifty-seven. Mm-hmm. The low is 38 20 so I, I think it's right around it's it's, it's 52 week low at its high 171 bucks so it was sell at the height of the pandemic. People ordering this, hundred and seventy-one bucks a share. It's down to thirty-eight dollars. You saw that a lot with companies like individual, smaller entities, right? There was the Peloton, but there was also the the, the GameStop and like the AMC stock spikes when 
It was whether people were just very smart and looking at what was happening or these internet movements to drive uh, stock numbers high. I right. can tell you that if I saw Peloton at $171, I'm probably not going to buy. No, but on, <laughs> or, or on the other hand, if you if you own Peloton, if you bought Peloton at 50 and it hit 171, yeah. you you'd be well, I'd be selling way yeah, before that. But yes. that's it. So you know, so that that that's the thing. Peloton, that the stock is getting hammered, and, and, and but it is. It's like you would have thought that the PR person would have asked, okay, where do we use this? You know, the the other example of this and was uh, that that where stuff really kind of backfired in a way was. The, the NBC TV show This Is Us, which I never got into, but it's incredibly popular. I just I found it to be just relentlessly depressing. But there is there's a show a couple years ago where one of the big mysteries is how how does the it, this, the show is kind of told in flashbacks, and one of the big mysteries is how does the the patriarch die? You know, because the, the show starts out like in present time, and you know the patriarch's dead, and it kind of reveals this. Well, it turns out the guy dies in a fire caused by a crockpot that malfunctions. And so Crock-Pot didn't know that their malfunctioning product was going to be what kills this beloved patriarch. And that was a post-Super Bowl episode, I believe. I remember when it happened because the hubbub around it was huge. And it was, this is how Jack dies is a right. Crock-Pot. But it wasn't just like a normal Monday night episode. It was like a post-Super Bowl or, right. or, or something like that, one of those kind of major, major shows. Uh, when it comes to product placement, really interestingly enough, um, Apple has a very strict policy for when people can use it. Right. Uh, their statement or their rules are that their Apple products can only be shown in a positive light. Right. So if you're watching a show and someone has an iPhone, there's a chance that they're probably a good person. Right, right, right. It's not going to be <clears throat> this damn thing just locked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or right, yeah. they're going to be in the hands of a murderer. Right. Or I can't believe they're lines. charging thirteen hundred dollars for this or whatever. It's only going to be in the positive sort of way. So again, it's just kind of out there, but it it is. Again, the, the biggest story is if, if anybody thinks that there is no such thing as bad publicity, well, you know, <laughs> your, your product could be the thing that the guy has the massive heart attack after, after using. Although the interesting thing to that crockpot story is apparently after the initial, oh, my God, the crockpot killed Jack, um, what happened is crockpot sales went up. <laughs> Interesting. The sales of crockpots went up after I think, that episode. I think it's something you saw on TV. You and the wife are watching television and go, you know what? We love a Crock-Pot, and we always forget to get one when we're at Target. Write right. down Crock-Pot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And this, what, what's the chance? There's no real example that this thing is going to ever like cause, exactly. a, cause a fire or whatever. All right, when we come back, today is the last day of our Kids to Kids Christmas Radio Marathon. I want to tell you where we are and uh, make a very special appeal. Stick around. It's Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive Radiothon on WTMJ. To donate, text the word KIDS to the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Happy Holidays from WTMJ and Capco. Well, this is Jeff Wagner. It's that time of year again. Every child deserves the best holiday experience, and this year the need to donate toys is greater than ever. WTMJ is teaming up with Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. If you'd like to help this holiday season, go to our website, WTMJ.com, click on the Kids to Kids Christmas banner. And this year we're competing to see which show can donate the most toys. When you donate, make sure to collect, click on your favorite WTMJ show, and don't forget to join us. Today is, of course, the final push. It's Capco's Kids to Kids 
Christmas Radiothon right here on WTMJ. So let me just explain this. I've been trying to talk, I've been talking about this all week. Kids to Kids Christmas originated, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years ago. It was actually the brainchild of our our former teammate, Jonathan Green and and Capco. And the idea was, let's get kids involved and, and kind of teach them the idea of giving. And so the idea was, parents, take your kids out, buy a toy, and then donate the toy to somebody less fortunate. And the whole thing has just absolutely exploded in a, in a positive way. And the, the number of toys that have been given has just been incredible. Well, ever since the pandemic has occurred, things are a little bit different. You know, we used to do big but we, we used to be broadcasting from VMP, for example, and outside of grocery stores and things like that, and people would be dropping off toys. We used to be very, very out there. Well, the, the, the pandemic has kind of changed that. Hopefully next year we'll be closer to back to, to normal. Um, there are a number of activities. We did our holiday radio show, and but e- even at that, because of the pandemic, we we probably had half as many people. It sold out in, in a day, but we probably had half as many people there as we, we could have or would have normally had. So we're we're coming up with different ways to, to raise money because it's just a wonderful cause. And if you've ever been out to Capco and seen all the toys, you understand just how great this is. So th- this year we're, we're doing our Radiothon. And as I just said in the, the little promotional piece, that the way you can donate, and today is the last day of the Radiothon, you go to WTM. WTMJ.com, and you see this big green banner that says Kids to Kids Christmas. You click on that, and then we're having a fun little internal competition here. There's the four 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. shows, the morning news, the afternoon news, Scafidi show, and and my program. And you can pick your quote-unquote favorite show, although we hope you like all of us, and you can make a a donation. It's kind of like an internal competition to see who can get the most donations. Now, the important thing is that you give money, but, but you know, it's a little fun thing for, for us that we're doing. And, and right now, this is the last day. Um, my program and Wisconsin's Morning News, I'm looking at the program. We're, we're within a couple hundred bucks of each other. So if you've been thinking about giving and you can see fit to do it, WTMJ.com, and, and you can donate $5 or $10 or $20 or $50 or $500, We and it's going to go to a wonderful cause. It, it really is. And I know there's a lot of demands on your your pocketbook this time of year. I I get all that, and I understand that we've just had, you know, what happened with the Waukesha Christmas Parade, and people have been incredibly generous with that. But this Kids to Kids Christmas is really something special. So if you're listening to this, and you you can see it in your heart to give 5, 10, 20, 50, 500, whatever that would be, go to WTMJ.com. Again, click on the Kids to Kids Christmas banner. Pick the show. Hopefully it's going to be mine. But, you know, the bottom line is that you make the donation and, you know, give. And then um, I think it, you know, we, we help make kids um, Christmas is a little bit merrier. Now, to give you further incentive to go and, and hit that button and make the donation, um, Tony Drake joined Wisconsin's Morning News earlier today. And let's play the interview, Tony Drake and Gene Miller. Enter Tony Drake of Drake and Associates live on WTMJ. Good morning, sir. How are you, Gene? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Doing great. Great to be on the show with you. Well, tell us what you're doing for Kids to Kids Christmas because this is nothing short of spectacular. Well, I'm so excited about what you guys are doing. I wanted to participate in a small way. And so we put up kind of a $5,000 match, if you will. So if we could raise $5,000, i will match it and then we'll have a nice $10,000 check to give to Capco for the Kids to Kids Christmas and 
hopefully really change the experience that so many of these kids uh, deserve this holiday season. Tony, that is just so remarkably generous of you. And um, I did the math. Uh, $5,000 is 333 Barbies. So if we get $10,000, that's like 700 Barbies that we could get. I love the sound of that. I don't know about (laughs) you guys. You know, my parents were uh, both factory workers and and certainly incredible folks, but we didn't have a ton growing up. And, you know, I'm just so grateful. I think just only in this country can you have that opportunity to come from that to having the business that I have today and working with so many hundreds of families and just a little piece we can do to give back. Tony, did you have a favorite gift that you got for Christmas growing up? I know you didn't have much, like you just said, but those little gifts, I think they stick in your mind forever, and that's what we're trying to give these kids. Yeah, they sure did. You know, I was into trains, and we couldn't really get too crazy with them. I always liked the little model trains when I was a little guy, and I was actually just somewhere the other day, I saw somebody's Christmas tree set up with the train underneath, and I don't know, there's just something classic and nostalgic about that. You're right. I remember uh, friends of ours would have trains. Uh, my dad couldn't swing it for for a, one of those big Lionel train sets that I wanted so bad it just wasn't going to be in the cards. But the the smell of that was it the transformer that ran the whole thing. All that that whole vibe. I think uh. it was gasoline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for yeah there you go. Diesel. 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 Yeah, Tony Drake from Drake and Associates joining us live on WTMJ. And you mentioned it too, Tony. It, it, it's folks who, uh, in a lot of cases, do a lot. Folks who didn't have a lot when they were growing up they remember that feeling they remember what it was like they were so thankful for anything they got and those are the folks i see in this fun drive and in so many other fun drives that will tell you their stories like hey i remember what that was like and i don't want another kid to go through that yeah i think you really do think about those experiences and when you have the opportunity and maybe be a tiny little part of changing another kid's christmas boy that's just a, a special gift and for everybody listening remember we're still this is the last year right now under one of the COVID packages, even if you don't itemize on your taxes, you can give up to $600 in cash, check, or credit card, and you get to deduct it on your tax return. So another benefit to helping out. That's a really good point, Tony. Again, if you've been holding off and giving to any charity, um, you want to do it before the end of the year so so you can uh, use that to your advantage. Yeah, the clock is ticking, and uh, you know everything wraps up for 2021 tax year on December 31st, so If you've been meaning to do that, it's a great time of year to bless people and help those in need. Tony, one more time, tell the folks what you're doing for Kids to Kids with Capco. We are matching up to $5,000 in donations. So if we can get up to $5,000, we'll we'll double that up to ten. And we're uh, just really grateful to be a part of this this year. Tony Drake of Drake & Associates, thank you so much for what you're doing for Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas and the Radiothon here on WTMJ. Appreciate it. You guys are the best. Uh, happy uh, retirement, Gene. We'll miss you. Okay, so that, that's a Tony Drake. First $5,000 that is donated, um, he's going to match that. And so he's saying, well, we'll get $10,000. My hope is that we have a lot more than $10,000. So once again, if you go to WTMJ.com, you see this banner, Kids to Kids Christmas. Click on that. You'll see the four different shows. Have your credit card ready or your PayPal account. And then pick one of the shows. Make a donation. Again, it's a, it's a fun little internal competition we're having. And the morning news and my show, we're within a couple hundred bucks. So it's just kind of like bragging rights. But the big thing is if we're making the donation because we're trying to make sure that less fortunate kids have a brighter holiday season. So Kids to Kids Christmas, thanks for Tony Drake for the matching donation. And let's, again, my hope is that we're we're going to be able to give way more than that $10,000. You have a chance to do it today as part of the Radiothon, WTMJ.com. Click on the Kids to Kids Christmas, and we go from there. 
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Before we ring in the new year, let's take one last look back. The 10th Annual Wisconsin Sports Awards presents History Made. It's a celebration of Milwaukee's first title in 50 years and the best in high school, college, and professional sports across the state of Wisconsin. Join ESPN Wisconsin's Jen Latta and Wisconsin's Biggest Stars on Saturday, December 18th at 1 a.m. on today's TMJ4 for the 10th Annual Wisconsin Sports Awards presented by UW Credit Union, Jockey, Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, and Palermo's Pizza. All right. I got the verdict right. Didn't quite have the timing correct. I said I thought the verdict was most likely to come back today, but it could have come back yesterday, and that's what happened. Late Thursday, a Cook County jury convicted former Empire star Jussie Smollett of concocting a fake hate crime against himself. You will remember this story. In January of 2019, Smollett one of the stars of the TV show Empire, claimed that he had been attacked on the street by um, people yelling, this is MAGA, make America great country, and wearing Donald Trump hats. He alleged that the people beat him, uttered you know, racial and homophobic slurs, were screaming, make America great again. He alleged that in addition to pummeling him, they also put a noose around his neck. And when, when these reports first surfaced, well, they got they got a lot of attention. For example, uh, Joe Biden, who at the time was contemplating a run for president. Here's what Joe Biden had to say. He tweeted this out. What happened today to Jussie Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor, that homophobia and racism have no place on our streets and our hearts. We are with you, Jussie. Kamala Harris, who at the time was a United States senator, now, of course, she is the vice president. Here's what she had to say. Jussie Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern-day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or the color of their skin. We must confront this hate. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, Democrat who was running, who also ran for president. Well, here's what he had to say. The vicious attack on actor Jussie Smollett was an attempted modern-day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. To those in Congress who don't feel the urgency to pass our anti-lynching bill designating lynching as a federal hate crime, I urge you to pay attention. Al Sharpton weighed in. The reported hate attack on my friend and brother, actor Jussie Smollett, is despicable and outrageous. The guilty must face the maximum. Okay, remember that. So they, they go on and they go on and, and they go on. People appropriately outraged about these allegations that somebody walking down the streets of Chicago could be pummeled by Trump supporters screaming, make America great again, and homophobic references and beaten and a noose. Can you imagine all this? Oh, this is just terrible. Well, that, that's all well and good. And by the way, as far as I know, none of those people have, have retracted those tweets. Well, early in the investigation... What happened is the things that Smollett was saying did not make sense. And the police pretty early on started to have doubts about whether or not this really occurred. Or if it occurred, did it occur as Smollett said 
it did. So you, you had the, this investigation, and pretty quickly what, what happened, and of course, while this was going on, you had it partly fueled by what Biden said and what Harris said and what Al Sharpton said. You had this incredible just outrage that, oh, my gosh, you've got these Trump supporters that are out there. This shows how racist and homophobic this country is. This guy could be beaten up. And what what does this say about Chicago? Well, like I say, early on, the story started to fall apart. And what we know now is that it was completely contrived that Smollett hired two acquaintances, a guy who was like his personal trainer and the guy's brother, and he hired them to, to do this. And he hired them to beat him up and to leave the noose there. And beating him up, he, he wasn't, he, he was bruised a little bit, but not severely injured. He it, The idea was to call attention to himself, and there's various motives that he had. But in any event, it, it became clear that this was, this entire thing was staged. Well, ultimately, Smollett denied that, went to trial, and there's a two-week trial that just ended yesterday afternoon. And he took the stand. Apparently, the, the prosecution's case came in extremely strong. It put on the, the two brothers that had been hired to, to beat him up. And in addition, they had various tweets that he had sent. They had Instagram reports. They had his calendar. The, the story quickly kind of fell apart. Anyhow, Smollett got on the witness stand and perjured himself up and down, denying any sort of involvement in this. And the jury, and they deliberated for about nine hours over two days and ultimately convicted him of five of the six counts. Did, did I mention that, that as of now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris and all these other people ha- have not retracted or indicated that they regretted the various tweets that they sent out in the beginning of this, where their rush to judgment certainly, I, I think, caused a lot of angst. And, and now we know the truth, that this was just a, a complete and total put-up job. So now what's the question becomes, what happens to Jesse Smollett? Jesse Smollett. He's looking at, I think, three years. He was convicted of five of the six counts. He's looking at three years in prison on every count. A lot of the reports suggest that, well, because he has no prior criminal record, it's most likely that he is going to be put on probation. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry. I think it would be an absolute outrage if he does not spend time behind bars. First of all, in doing what he did, and calling the attention to himself that he tried to do. First of all, you have now made it so much more difficult for people who are legitimately the victim of hate crimes, number one, to come forward, and number two, to be believed when they come forward, because there's always going to be this doubt in people's mind, hey, is this a legitimate hate crime? Did this really happen, or is this just uh, Jussie Smollett, you know, redo? Are, are we just going through this again? So by doing what this slime ball did, you've made it much more difficult f- moving forward for people who are legitimately injured. Secondly... The the idea that you could cause all this consternation, cause this huge uproar, cause this huge controversy, and then continue to maintain your lies up and until and even after the jury finds you guilty tells me you've got somebody who has no acceptance of responsibility at all. And, yeah, I think he needs to be behind bars. I don't know if three years is necessarily appropriate, but he certainly deserves to be behind bars. 
And if nothing else, first of all, as a deterrent and punishment for him, and secondly, as a deterrent to other people who might be inclined to come forward with these false claims. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to send this actor to jail and or prison for a year, two years, three years? What do you think? 855-616-1620. I say you bet put the handcuffs on him and send him away. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. By the way, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I will, I'm gonna, I'm sending out a link to a story. Uh, about a month after the attack in 2019, Jussie Smollett did th- this Bleeding Heart interview with, um, I think it's Robin Roberts. I like Robin Roberts of, of uh, Good Morning America. Just, you know, he's just, just shocked that anybody could doubt him. I wonder how stupid the people at Good Morning America feel now that, you know, all this has come out. But if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620, I'll send you a link to the interview that he did on Good Morning America about a month after the false claims of attack. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Julie in Kenosha. Julie, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do we do with this guy? Well, this is my biggest issue with Jesse Smollett. He cost the city of Chicago over $130,000 in their investigations of a false claim. And the second issue I have with him is what does that do to legitimate racial discrimination claims in the future? Oh, sure. It, it, it's like it, it's like, Julie, when you have the situation where somebody comes forward and, and alleges sexual assault and it turns out to be a, a fake thing. It makes it so much more difficult for the legitimate victims of sexual assault because people are always going to say, OK, well, is this a fake thing? Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I like your, your point about the, the cost to the, to the taxpayers of Chicago. On top of that, re- remember the damage to the reputation that this did? It, it, it's not just the cost. I mean, you had everybody from Joe Biden on down who were talking about, oh, this is this racist community and this homophobic community. And it was all a setup. I mean, you you can't unring that bell. There's always going to be some people who believe that there really were these crazed Trump supporters who did this. And, and you'll never unring that bell. You'll never unring that bell. It's like the boy who cried wolf. And you damage further legitimate claims for racism. I, I agree. No, thank, thank you. I appreciate the call. I, I, I agree completely. I mean, that I, I, that's why if you say, OK, what do you gain by putting this 39 year old guy who has no criminal record? What do you gain by putting him in jail for a year or two years or whatever? Well, there's two things. First of all, you punish him for doing what he did. Secondly, you punish him for lying about it. I mean, this isn't something where when confronted with the overall and overriding evidence of guilt, he said, OK, you, you caught me. This was it. No, he, he continues to maintain the lie, showing that he has no sense of remorse at all. And, and third, beyond punishing him, it's the concept of general deterrence. You stand up and say you, you can't come forward and make these type of explosive claims, um, whether regardless of whether or not you're a famous actor or whether you're just an ordinary person, because what it does is it makes it more difficult to prosecute that next case that comes along where there is a sense of legitimacy. Scott in Kenosha. Scott, you're on WTMJ. 
Hey, good morning, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. You know, yeah, just like the previous caller from Kenosha, we're all pretty familiar with what Kyle Rittenhouse's case and how everybody got so quickly to judge and before the trial and before the judicial system uh, took its way. So here you got Biden and you got uh, Kamala Harris and you got uh, Jesse Jackson and just uh, Sharpton and all those guys uh, quickly calling out the blame that uh, he, he, he that you know the, the racism is there. Right. The racism isn't Jesse Smollett. This he lied in the, in a court system. He needs to be punished for that. And me as a, me as an American, I mean I'm a white person, but I'll tell you what. Right now, it would just be a class action lawsuit for every white person in America to go after Jesse Bullets for, for making a false accusation and, and, and stirring the pot and trying to make us all look like uh, racist well, because of what he did. Yeah, I mean, he, he yeah, belongs I, in jail. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Sir. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, there, there's, you know, I, I mean, I don't, there's not a class action lawsuit, but uh, in, in that regard, it's there. But yeah, he, he, he belongs in jail. He's done incredible damage, um, to, He's done damage to the system, and I, and I, I mean, I remember at the time. I remember all the heat that the Chicago, uh, the the chief of police in Chicago, who, as I recall, was, was black himself, was, was taking. How dare you, you know, raise questions about this? Who would make these claims? Well, okay, you, you've got a lying sack of beans like Jesse Smollett, who was making these various claims for his own type of thing, and continues to maintain this now. So, yeah, I, I think. You have to have, you know, consequences that you have to have consequences with this. And that's the, the bottom line of it. Um, you know, you got to let him have it. He undermined the entire system. That's what a couple of our texters are saying. And I understand there's some people that are apologizing and saying, well, you know, don't you understand this stuff goes on and we shouldn't be too harsh on him? Well, well, no. You know, if the system is going to work, you cannot allow these false claims to go through and be uncalled out and unpunished. And again, what makes it even worse is once confronted with overwhelming evidence of guilt, he continued to maintain the lie. It's not like he said, just, I'm sorry, you caught me. I, I was lying in this. This was what my motivation was. Here, I'm going to pay restitution. I'll pay the 130 grand or whatever. That might have put this in a different context, but that's not what the guy did. And just like when people commit hate-motivated crimes, offenses based on people's uh, sexual orientation or their race, they deserve to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. Similarly, when people come forward and make false claims about this, they deserve to be held accountable too. and, And maybe this is a teachable moment for some politicians who decide that they, they want to jump on on bandwagons. I mean, re- remember, you know, back in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, you know, you right when this thing first started kept breaking, you had, you know, Joe Biden, who, again, running for president, uh, essentially called him Rittenhouse a white supremacist on, on the national stage. Remember when that, all, that whole thing came out? And I understand Biden was out there trying to score political points. Whatever you think about Rittenhouse, whether he's guilty or not guilty, whatever you think about the jury verdict, there was no evidence at all presented during that trial that supported Biden's claim that Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. And, and yet Biden's never backed off on that. This is the same sort of thing. You have these reports of an allegation. Maybe the president 
wasn't president at the time, maybe the vice president, she wasn't vice president at the time, maybe one of the teaching moments about this is maybe when you hear these stories, you want to just wait just a little bit, take a beat before you hit that Twitter button, just endorsing something and throwing a gasoline on a potential fire. And maybe... Maybe if you just hold back a little before you hit send on that, maybe you'll rethink your position once the facts are known. That was a big deal during the Trump administration. Lots of people said, well, he shouldn't be so quick to tweet. I was one of them. Maybe the same thing should apply to people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as well. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. We have a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, get your tickets now for Wisconsin's ultimate drive through holiday experience. WTMJ is proud to support Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Enjoy millions of lights, three mesmerizing light tunnels, hundreds of inflatables, a rink for ice skating villagers, a nativity scene, and lots, lots more. To secure your spot now, text the word Christmas to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. It's Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. I have not been out there yet this year, although we are going to, Fran and I are going to definitely go out there sometime before Christmas. But Eric Bilstadt, you're you're heading out there this afternoon. Yes, Wisconsin's Afternoon News, baby. Okay, so you're going to be hosting from there. And and the cool thing is you're going to be there, I mean, it starts to get dark, what, about like four Mm o'clock now or Mm -hmm. so? So when you're there and broadcasting, you actually get to see all the lights and the things like that. Right, and we get to see the cars drive through. So if you drive past us, flash your brights, let us know that you're listening. And uh, yeah, hoping to raise a lot more money, bring in more toys. Uh, Right now, you seem to be doing pretty well in the uh, raising of the money category for our radio well, well, today well yes but it's it's look the, the important yeah, yes, <laughs> yes that's true but but that's fine but the, the bottom line the important of thing course. is that people give but Absolutely. yeah to, to your point for people who might not have been paying attention all week this is the last day of our radiothon and this is a it's a different year and in eric you will remember you know i think kids to kids christmas originated in 2006 and and normally pre-pandemic there were all sorts of things that we do. We, we used to have events where, like, for example, we were we were giant toy drives oh, at yeah. VMP for mm-hmm. the, the whole day. All, yep. all the shows starting with, with my program were, were there. And we, we were outside. I, I know there were a couple, like, grocery stores and stuff that and we were Delphi at in Delafield and, all, that, and yeah. all those types of things. Uh, even, even the holiday show, we used to be able to – the holiday show this year sold out in, in a day, but we, we had half as many people as we would normally do. Mm-hmm. So there have been these cutbacks just because of the, the pandemic, and hopefully we'll be back to normal by next year. So one of the things we're doing this year is just direct solicitations of cash, which is going to be used to buy toys and yes. things like that. And so um, there's a little, it is a friendly, and I understand, <laughs> friendly competition between the, the different shows. But if you go to WTMJ.com, there's a big green banner that says Kids to Kids Christmas. You click on that, and then there's the, the four shows, the morning news, the afternoon no, uh, news, my show, and Scafidi's show, and you can pick your quote-unquote favorite show or whatever, and you'd click on it, and then either through PayPal or credit card, you can mm-hmm. donate. So I, I heard from Mercure today. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Who, who's like, and yes. he's wondering uh, what we've been doing this week. Uh, we just haven't been showing it up so much on the afternoon show, but we're going to fix that today. We're going to help raise some money for Absolutely. So, so you are you are planning on like this <laughs> this huge influx of cash I'm at the last everybody. minute right? <laughs> to do it. But, but again, and, and so we do want to encourage that, and again, 
and it's five dollars, ten dollars, twenty-five dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, five thousand uh, dollars. Speaking of five thousand dollars, one of the very cool things too is our, our partner Tony yes. Drake um, announced today that he will match the first five thousand mm-hmm. dollars in donations. So, um, so assuming we get five thousand bucks, that that means we'll at least have 10 grand where i am confident that by the end of the day we're going to go well over that and just that, that no. i mean that's not even a number to sneeze at too 10 grand uh, that's right that's a lot of money that can go to a lot of good causes here in the city so right or in the state i should say it, it, exactly so we want to encourage people to if if and i, I we we understand that there's a lot of demands on on people this time of year, and of course, I, I know I've just been blown away with how generous people were after what happened in Waukesha happened no, with those giving. So we know people are we, we know people are getting solicited, but this is this is a really wonderful thing. And if you have a chance to see how this brightens kids' holidays, and you can share a little, we would very much appreciate it. And if you're going to do it. Go to the website. I appreciate it if you give through my show. Eric appreciates it if you give through his show. Right? <laughs> yes, it, it, it's the bottom line. It, yeah, it, it doesn't matter who it goes to. Well, it, it does because I mean <laughs> I, I see these things and it's kind of like a, a friendly competition. And I understand sometimes there's some smack talk. You really don't get that from me because I think the bottom line. That's is because we, you're doing well. That's why. See? You know, <laughs> oh, is that, no, you'd be it's, grinding your teeth a little bit if you were in my position. No, no, no. See, last year we did the thing with the turkeys. I mean, I, I just I, I was trailing for a good portion of it. And I did, but again, it, it's I, I'm. I'm glad to see the, the stuff that, that's being given and things like that. So Absolutely. this is the last day for that. But Eric Bilstadt with Wisconsin's Afternoon News is um, going to be out at the Holiday Wonderland at Capco. Yes. And, and it is very cool. I mean, I, I remember driving through it last year once or twice, and they do an amazing job. Oh, with all it's those incredible. Lights. And, and they have like actors there. They have this ice skating rink. There's, I mean, it's a remarkable setup that they've done with this thing. It's huge. Right. I mean, you sit and drive through it. It doesn't take two minutes to drive through this thing. Uh, but yeah, please, if you drive through, give us a honk, give us a wave, let us know that you're coming through and you're listening. It'd be great. Absolutely. You have fun out there Thanks, this afternoon. Sir. When we come back, he says he's the devil. What do we do with the devil? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I apologize for a Friday afternoon and what is a very harsh topic, but it, it's 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 a matter that needs to be discussed. Now, up until two days ago, and up until a, a website called Milwaukee, Wisconsin Right Now, broke this story, no, nobody knew about it. This is the story about how, what, on November 30th, which was a week ago Tuesday, you had a 14-year-old boy... Broad daylight, one thirty in the afternoon. Recently, he'd been transferred from a Milwaukee high school to uh, a Waukesha high school. One thirty in the afternoon on a Tuesday, confronts an 87-year-old woman at the downtown Waukesha library as she's returning books, abducts her at knife point, carjacks her, uh, forces her... Well, she's, he sexually assaults her. Well, we don't need to go into any more details. And... Um, uh, you know, that story, for whatever reason, Waukesha police made a conscious decision not to go public with that story. People would not have known about that till this 
day if it were not for the fact that this website, Wisconsin Right Now, got a tip. They broke it. At that point in time, then all the TV stations started, you know, running the story, and it ended up in the Journal Sentinel and things like that. But you, you have this horrific story, and the, the police department has not to this moment explained why it is that they felt it was appropriate to, if not cover up the story, why they thought it was appropriate to not tell people of the nature of this attack. That the best thing I saw is one police officer said, well, Wisconsin's been through, Walkershaw's been through a lot. Well, okay, that, that, that might very well be the case, but you, you, you don't just simply then not tell people about a very, very serious crime that occurred on the street. So anyhow, now more stuff is starting to emerge about this. We do not know the name, or at least it hasn't been released publicly, the name of the 14-year-old. He's being held in secure detention. As I talked about yesterday, I, I firmly believe that our juvenile justice system is a joke. I, I think it was designed for 50 and 60 years ago when, you know, we, we thought of crimes as being kind of like, you know, Opie stealing gun, stealing gum from the, the drugstore down in, in Mayberry. And, and it doesn't reflect the serious and dangerous criminals that are running through the streets. And the fact of the matter is, unless you are waived into adult court, juvenile proceedings are secret. The names of the kids aren't made public. The dispositions of the cases aren't made public. And I believe it's putting the public in danger. I think this is a real call for a complete revamp of the juvenile justice system. And my argument would be anytime you have a juvenile who commits what would be the equivalent of a felony by an adult, I, I think those those records should be made public, um, regardless of whether they're charged in adult court or, or not. I think if you've got a kid that's living next door to you that's stolen 10 cars and keeps being put back out on the streets, the public has every right to know. So that's, that's one of the, the specific things that goes on. Now, in this particular case, the... District attorney has indicated that she's going to try to waive the 14-year-old into adult court, in which case he would be eligible to receive an, an adult sentence. What happens is with that is if you're treated as an adult, you get sentenced. The first couple years would be spent in a juvenile detention facility, and then once you turn 18, you, you go off to an adult prison. Well, all right, so we know the details of of what happened or at least we we heard the first part of the details he abducts the woman 1:30 in the afternoon at knife point carjacks her um sexually assaults her and ultimately lets her her go well all right um channel 12 has some other information about this um apparently as as he was in the car with her at knife point he threatened her by saying quote you realize I'm the devil, and I know where you live. If you call the police, I'll kill all your family. So while this 14-year-old is in the process of sexually assaulting the 87-year-old woman at knife point, he says, you realize I'm the devil, and I know where you live. If you call the police, I'll kill all your family. Afterwards, police said he forced her out of the car near less. Uh, Paul Middle School and drove off. Um, police spotted the stolen car about a half hour later. The teen, they said, was still inside, but they said he didn't give up. He got out of the car and took off running. 
Um, other Waukesha police officers converged on the area. They arrested him a few blocks away. They said the boy had a knife and one of the victim's credit cards in his pants pocket. In searching his Waukesha home later, police found the victim's wallet, gloves, checkbook, garage door opener, and even some music CDs with her name on them. Okay, so Channel uh, Channel 12 was reporting that the Waukesha police, now the DA's office has to sign off on this, are requesting armed robbery, kidnapping, first-degree sexual assault, and operating a motor vehicle without the owner's consent. If he's charged as an adult, he could go to prison. All right. He told her, allegedly, you realize I'm the devil, and I know where you live. If you call the police, I'll kill all of your family. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage, Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He's 14 years old. I do not know what his prior involvement in the criminal justice system is, but I'm willing to bet you that this was not his first time at the rodeo. Part of the problem is because juvenile records are sealed, nobody knows what his record is. Maybe at some point in time that will come out, but I'm willing to bet, like I say, all the money in my wallet versus all the money in my producer's wallet, and he does not carry does not carry cash. I'm willing to bet that this is not the kid's first time at the rodeo. My guess is there are other contacts. I don't know how serious, but my guess is probably pretty serious. You don't wake up just one day and say, today's the day. I'm going to go take a knife, abduct, and sexually assault an 87-year-old woman. In any case, the kid said he was the devil, told her if she talks he was going to kill her entire family. What do we do with the devil? He's 14 years old. How do we handle this? 855-616-1620. Do we try to get him some help? Do we try to get him some treatment? Do we treat him as a juvenile? Do we send him back out on the streets after a couple of years and hope for the best? Or do we put him in jail, prison, for decades? 855-616-1620. Needless to say, I vote put him in prison for decades. If nothing else, anybody that is willing to commit this type of crime there's something really wrong with them. Really, really wrong. They pose a clear and present danger to society. And I don't think he should be back out on the streets any time in the next several decades to do something similar. 855-616-1620. I say warehouse him. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. How you doing, Jeff? Yeah, you know, he says he's the devil, so uh, the fact is he did this depraved act like like he was the devil. So he needs to be waved into adult court and put away for a long time and keep him out of uh, uh, the society that's trying to survive here. And uh, without him, uh, the fact is is that uh, this 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 was a heinous act. It's almost which, unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it just it. You know, I, I know we get numb sometimes, Vincent, with all the different crimes that are out there. But every once in a while, there's one that comes along, and this. This is this is one of them. This to me is right up there with the 14 year old who killed the 46 year old woman outside of the uh, the hotel by Mayfair, stole her car and drove over her back and forth. I mean, it's you you have these depraved crimes being committed by who thinks that a 14 year old would be capable of something like this? Well, uh, more and more, like you say, more and more we're we're seeing this happen. 
These sociopaths continue to run the streets. They continue to be uh, let out on the uh, on these minor uh, on these minor uh, yeah. charges out back out into the street until they end up killing somebody. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's ridiculous. So yeah, we need to put the devil away for a very, very, very long time. And you're with me. Your you your sense is with mine that this isn't the kid's first time at the rodeo. And and if we ever saw his juvenile record, we'd get the idea that maybe he'd been through the system a couple times. Oh, certainly. Oh, yeah. certainly. Yeah. No, I don't see how you jump from from just being an innocent child to doing something this sick. Yeah. No. Thanks. Good. No. I, I think that I think that would be a safe bet. Tim in Whitewater. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes. Good afternoon, sir. First of all, I agree exactly what you say. Uh, put him away, and if he's the devil, make sure that his jail time is hell. A long time. He wants to be that way, and you have to create that kind of environment. The most important thing, too, with this is that why is it that every time a child commits uh, these kind of crimes, the parents, they they are never accountable for any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. They be accountable by jail time, by fines, whatever it is. And if you get a, a, a child that it's a one child or one parent family then you go search and you find the father or mother who's not in the picture mm-hmm. and they have to go to jail too because yep. they they're they've lost their responsibility yeah tim I, I see i always wrestle with this and i understand that at, for example i'm a guy who applauded the decision they made in michigan to go after the parents of the school shooter because i mean the parents clearly knew they had a kid that had problems and so what you do is you go out and you, you buy a gun and you give this kid access to the gun and you don't check to see if maybe he's taken that gun and brought it to school. And then once that you're confronted by the school officials with the fact that he's writing these you know, horrible things, you refuse to take him home. No, I, I think I mean, I think in many cases it's it's tough to hold the parents accountable because the question is well was it foreseeable that they would do something like this and and that's always the balancing that's going on i don't know about the kids prior record don't know what the parental situation is and whether they they knew stuff about this but i I think once more details come out it's going to be very clear that once again we have had a complete and total failure of the mess that is the juvenile justice system. And and now there, there's nothing that you can do other than to take the self-proclaimed devil and warehouse him for decades. And I understand I'm getting texts from people who are frustrated because that means the taxpayers are going to have to pay to feed and clothe and howls this guy, this kid right now, for the next 20, 30, 40, whatever years. And and I understand that because there's no other real alternative that's there. But it's not an acceptable alternative to turn him back out on the street so he can grab another knife and abduct somebody else and this time kill them like he threatened to kill her family. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, looking for somewhere to watch this weekend's Packers-Bears game? Well, join me, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner, at the New Berlin Ale House. 
I will be there Sunday night with fun, games, prizes, and much more. Plus, we actually do have some really good giveaways during the, for the whole course of the game, and then there's a great halftime prize, and there's a really cool prize uh, to somebody at the end of the game. Um, you'll be able to enjoy $18 buckets of Miller Lite and $4 Vizzy varieties. It's the Miller Lite Packers Watch Party with me, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. My wife, Fran, is going to be there as well. She's more fun than me. For more information, please visit WTMJ.com. Look forward to seeing you Sunday evening to watch the Packers beat the Bears once again, because after all, doesn't Aaron Rodgers say he owns them? That'll be kind of interesting, adding a little bit of heat to that. Okay. There, it's a headline in today's paper, and candidly, I think it is incredibly misleading and unfair, but... But I, on the one hand, I guess you might say, well, it, it's not necessarily inaccurate. Here, here's the deal. Um, the headline, the headline above the fold, study indoor dining bans worked. Uh, while bans on indoor dining cost restaurants dearly in 2020, the bans appear to be among the most effective measures cities like Milwaukee employed to slow the spread of COVID-19, according to a new study published in the journal Epidemiology. The study by researchers at Drexel University's Dorn's Life School of Public Health examined 11 cities, including Milwaukee, and found that those that were allowed to continue bans on indoor dining saw COVID-19 cases drop 61% more than other cities that were forced by their states to end their bans. Milwaukee was one of four cities in the study allowed to continue the prohibition on indoor dining while the research went on. The study examined the case rates and individual reopening dates for cities between March 30th and October 1st. So this is what they did. They said, okay, let's Let's look at the cities that continued the bans on on indoor dining, and then let's compare them to the ones that dropped them, and let's look at the COVID numbers. And they estimate that if all 11 cities had continued to prevent indoor dining, they would have recorded an estimated 44,000 fewer COVID-19 cases. So the conclusion then is, okay, this means that if we want to stop the spread of COVID, what we need to do is we need to continue. We need to close down the, those those evil restaurants, right? So that's the, the conclusion of this. And to me, this is one of those situations where you have, all right, correlation without necessarily causation. And, and here, see, here's where it gets interesting, because while the study wants to blame it on restaurants, what you have to understand is the vast majority of of cities that dropped the the dining ban that allowed the restaurants to reopen what they did is it wasn't just restaurants they also you know opened up uh, again the, the bans got lifted for malls for movie theaters for museums etc cetera, etc cetera. So it wasn't just restaurants, it was all sorts of other things as well. Stores that had been forced to close were allowed to reopen as well. But the idea was, if you look at this, they say, well, it's just restaurants. Well, it was actually people getting out and about, getting past the the bans and the closings. What they also say, and this is what they say in the city of Milwaukee, and this is one of the things that was one of my 
one of my, my big pet peeves when we had this, we're just going to close everything down. The vice president of the Wisconsin Restaurant Association said, look, here, here's the deal. In Milwaukee, where they were doing contract tracing, they found relatively few cases of COVID-19 that were definitively linked to restaurants. The most significant source of COVID infection was tied to private gatherings like, like birthday parties. But the vast majority of infections was un- unknown. So the, the point is, what happened is when they started in some of these areas, like dropping the bands, people just kind of went back to normal. But it wasn't necessarily going to the restaurant where people got COVID. It wasn't going to the bar where people got COVID. It was much more likely that, okay, you know, here, you're, you're going to go have more gatherings. You're going to get together with people in closed sort of settings. You're going to have the house parties and things like that. That was really much more likely to be the the real cause of the spread of COVID. And, and while, yes, it's true, cities that continue to keep their bans further had a lower incidence of COVID because people weren't allowed to get out. That doesn't mean that opening up the restaurants is what caused an increase in COVID. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I wonder what the point of a study like this is. If it is to lay the groundwork for suggesting that maybe because we are looking at another spike in COVID numbers, we should consider going back to closing things. We should go back to saying, okay, we're going to force restaurants and bars to close again. To me, that is a complete and total non-starter. I think we're past the mandatory closures. I think we're past the lockdowns. Now, anything we can do to encourage people to you know, take precautions and get vaccinated or whatever, I, I'm, I'm all in favor of, of that, short of having the government go door-to-door, drag people out of their house and jab their arms. But I, and anything short of that, I, I think, is probably a desirable thing. But if the argument is going to be, well, gee, COVID's spiking again, we need to go back to closing down restaurants and bars, I'm sorry. I don't believe people will put up with that. And I also don't think that that is justified by the numbers. I completely and totally believe that the vast majority, if you've got spreads of COVID, I don't think it's going to come from people going out and dining in a restaurant. It is much more likely, in my opinion, to come from you know large house parties or large private gatherings. I just don't think we're in a point where we can go back and say, okay, we're not going to allow the Bucks to play in front of 20,000 people. We're not going to allow Marquette or UW to play in front of 20,000 people. We're not going to allow the movie theaters to open, and we're going to close all the restaurants. I'm sorry, we're past that, aren't we? 855-616-1620. Are you reluctant to eat in restaurants, and do you think the government should close them down again? My answer is not just no, but it's heck no. We discuss 855-616-1620. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, there's this, what they're calling a quasi-study that's come out, and it says, well, we're looking at the, we're looking at cities. We're going to look at 11 cities that had a lockdown, and then we're going to look at four of them that continued, like Milwaukee, that continued their lockdowns longer than the other cities. And what we found is that there was a higher incidence of, of COVID in the cities that ended their lockdown sooner. So I, and I don't know what the purpose of this is, but they blame it on restaurants. They say, well, this, this is it. It's restaurants. Well, there's all sorts of things that are going on besides the restaurants reopening. That is that, you know, once the lockdown ended, you had 
movie theaters that reopened. You had um, arenas that started reopening. You had malls that reopened. You had stores that reopened. And when you look at contract tracing, the vast majority, to the extent they were able to prove it, didn't come from restaurants, of the spread of COVID. It came from you know people in private gatherings or just going about ordinary life. So if the point of this is to try to scare people into saying, well, okay, let's close anything, stuff like this down, you, you cannot do that. You will decimate the industry. And the bottom line, is now look we've we've got vaccines pretty soon we're going to have pills i think there's a degree of personal responsibility that people have to have for keeping yourself safe but you you can't lock down your way out of this and you're going to destroy these businesses if you do and candidly i think it's junk science to suggest that if you do that that's going to be the case now this is not a uniform position. Let me share with you one of my texts. Absolutely, the government needs to get involved. We need to shut down all restaurants and all public spaces. We need to stop this terrible disease. Innocent people are dying. Well, here's the reality. Okay, the COVID is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. All right, so what, what, what are we going to do here? Right now in Wisconsin, you've got about 60% of the population that is vaccinated with at least one dose. All right, and I, and I think, as I've said, I think it's pretty much dug in there. I'm not sure that you're going to see dramatically more increase in that. So given the fact that that's the reality here, unless we are going to have the government go door to door, pull people out of the houses and, and jab them and that's not going to happen. You, you cannot lock stuff down anymore. It is just, unfortunately, a, a risk. And you're seeing this all over the world. Now, I understand that some people you know, have these really adverse reactions to COVID. And, and I think for people that have the compromised immune systems and all, I, I think it's, it's a new world moving forward. For most people, if you get COVID, not all, but most people, especially if you're not in one of these categories, you know, it, it's probably not going to kill you. But that's why I'm a believer in vaccinations. Got my booster shot last week because that, I think, I believe the numbers that suggest that that pretty much guarantees that even if you do have a breakthrough case, you're, you're not going to be seriously ill. But I, I don't think we can shut down society because some people have made the decision that they're not going to end up getting vaccinated. I think the reality is there's consequences for that decision. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage um, Talk and and text line, uh, Jeff, the vaccine has been available for about a year now. If a person chooses not to get it and they get sick, well, I don't think it's my problem. I got mine. Don't shut everything down because of it. Um, I, I think the other thing you need to realize is that th- there, there's not even any conclusive evidence that it, it was restaurants. I mean, restaurants and bars all along were picked as the, the bad guys. This is, if we shut these down, we can shut off COVID. And this is what this study kind of implies. I, again, I, there's, that's not what the contact tracing tends to show. You're much more likely, it, it, again, it's the house parties. It's the people that are gathering. That's much more likely than scapegoating restaurants or scapegoating bars or scapegoating hardware stores or scapegoating theaters. But beyond that, it's time to move on. I just don't think the American public are ready to say, okay, we've got, uh, we've got basketball. You've got a ticket to go see Marquette play UCLA tomorrow. Well, no, we're not going to let you go. I, I just, I don't think the American people are going to put up with that anymore. And I understand that there's some people who think we just need to be in a per- permanent lockdown. And as long as there's any examples of COVID that are out there, we're just going to shut down society. I just think that's short-sighted. I think the bottom line is we have to figure out 
how to live with this and recognize that there's going to be people that, especially if they're in that highly vulnerable category, that they're going to have a really bad result if they get COVID, which is why they in particular need to take special steps to make sure they do not end up getting COVID. But this idea that we're going to close everything down, sorry, I just think that that's a complete and total non-starter. Now, somebody's saying, how many more boosters are you going to get? Six, maybe seven or eight? That's a whole different question. We talked about that yesterday. I mean, I think at, at some point in time, medical science needs to kind of collectively get its act together and, and figure out what this is going to be. Can I see a time where an annual COVID booster is recommended just like the annual flu shot? Yeah, I, I can. But we don't know enough about this now to, to do that. And as I've always said, I don't have a reaction to this. So I, I get it. It's, it's not a big deal for me to get it. Some people say, Jeff, that means you're going to be dead for five years because you don't understand all this stuff that you've just put in your body. Okay, well, may, maybe that's going to happen. Who knows? I mean, sometime over the next five years, I could get hit by a bus crossing the street. I, I'm just willing to take that risk. It's a balancing thing that goes on. All I know right now is we cannot lock down our way out of these problems that we have. And this is Jeff Wagner. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I did send out, a, I referred to this earlier, I sent out a link to the, the interview that Good Morning America and, and their Robin Roberts, and by the way, I like Robin Roberts, did with Jussie Smollett um, in the aftermath of his claims that he was, you know, a, a attacked and he was the victim of a hate crime and things like that. Claims that we know now are, are completely and totally bogus. And and you watch this, and first of all, you get the understanding of just what a slime ball this, this guy is. But secondly, uh, you, you do wonder how Good Morning America feels about this kind of softball interview where they, they they really didn't push him on all these obvious inconsistencies that were there. And now you, you just wonder, I don't know, maybe if it had been a little bit more aggressive in the beginning, maybe they could have nipped this hoax in the bud. But, of course, that wasn't what ended up happening. I, headline, Washington Post. Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, suggested gargling mouthwash to kill the coronavirus. Doctors and Listerine are skeptical. The uh, headline in the local paper, Ron Johnson says mouthwash can kill COVID-19. Manufacturer of Listerine medical experts say there's no evidence yet to prove that. That's, again, it, it's another one of these misleading headlines. And look, and I understand Ron Johnson is the, the main target of the American left as Democrats try to retain control of the U.S. Senate. He's the only Republican running for re-election if he does run for re-election uh, next year who is running in a state that Joe Biden carried. He's also, and I have said this to the senator, I, I think he's courted controversy by some of the positions he's taken. But, okay, so he, he's at this town hall, and he said that a standard gargle of mouthwash, you know, could kill coronavirus or maybe reduce the viral replication to help prevent a serious surge. And his argument, he said, why not try all these things, including mouthwash as a list of alternatives like vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc and all those things and so after this gets played out about oh here's the senator he's he's saying you know don't get vaccinated he said just you know take these alternatives and he said look he said i'm not saying any of this stuff is a replacement for the vaccine there's a multiple studies out there that say that a mouthwash may reduce viral load 
And his point is, you know, when there's all these, why would anybody object to people taking some of these alternatives as well? Not in lieu of a vaccine necessarily. Now, look, I don't know about the mouthwash thing one way or the other. I do know that ever since the pandemic, whenever I go to the dentist, the first thing they do is they have you, you know, do this mouthwash thing for about like 60 seconds. And the idea is to, the intention is to try to like kill any germs that you might have in your mouth. That was something new that they adopted. I don't think it's portrayed as a way to cure COVID or anything like that, but it's just one of the other things. And I don't know about you, but I take vitamin D every day. I take vitamin C every day. I don't do the zinc, but I know some people do. And I, I get the fact that Johnson is a is a lightning rod for some things. In this case, I, I think the, the criticism is probably overbroad because I think there's a lot of people out there who, in addition to the vaccine, still do a lot of other stuff to maybe prevent them or help them not get sick. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. One, one more time for Kids to Kids Christmas, at least on my program. All week long, we have been doing a, a radiothon raising money that are going to be, it's going to ultimately be used to purchase toys that are then distributed to kids in need. Kids to Kids Christmas has been a staple here on WTMJ in part in connection with Capco. Um, I, I said 12 or 13 years. Somebody said, well, your website says it started in 2006, which I guess sounds about right to me. And the whole idea is we, we want to encourage, we want to make the holidays brighter for children who, because of whatever reasons, um, they, they need they, they need some cheering up and they need the opportunity to get toys when maybe the parents can't afford it or whatever. So what we have done over the years is a number of different toy drives and things like that. And if you've been out to Capco and Grafton and you've seen all the toys that were assembled, you understand you know, what a big deal this is. Well, because of the pandemic, the way we collect toys has, has changed. We, we don't have some of the huge public events that we had maybe a couple years ago. And so we're trying to find alternative ways. And that's why Wisconsin's Afternoon News with Melissa and Eric, they're going to be out at Capco this afternoon. They're going to be broadcasting from their Christmas Wonderland, which is like millions of lights. And it's a drive through. And it's it's a way of in a safe fashion, encouraging the people to come out and get involved in the spirit. One of the things that we are also doing as part of a radiothon is we're we're begging money. I'm, make no bones about that. Um, if you go to our website, which is WTMJ.com, and you click on this banner that says Kids to Kids Christmas, what you will find is there's a, a an, an easy opportunity to donate. Now, I guess it's sort of fun in a way. Internally, we're having this little competition to see which one of the shows, morning news, afternoon news show, um, my show or Scafidi's show, can get the most in dollar donations. But, you know, that's that's just the fun aspect of it internally. But what we really want to do is we want to solicit donations that is going to be used to buy stuff for the kids. And um, our our friend and colleague, uh, Tony Drake, and you can hear his shows on the weekend. I mean, he's already come up and he said that he will match the first $5,000 in, in donations. So um, we're, we're going to be doing this through the day. We are encouraging people to, again, go to our website. You pick your favorite show. Pick mine if you'd prefer. That would be great. And and then make a donation. You can do it through PayPal. You can do it through credit cards. And all the money then goes is used to go and purchase toys 
that are then you know distributed to kids in need. So one final push for our Radiothon, again, WTMJ.com. Click on the Kids to Kids Christmas logo, and you can take it from there. Um, and, and again, $5, $10, $20, $50, $500, you know, whatever is very appreciated. And believe me, I understand that there's a lot of demands on, on people's pocketbooks this time of year, and I know the community has been so incredibly generous over the course of the last couple weeks in, in helping raise money for the victims of what happened at the Waukesha Christmas Parade, and, and that's great. But if you if you can see fit to brighten up the holiday season for some kids, that would be wonderful too, and I would uh, very, very much appreciate it. Again, WTMJ.com, Kids to Kids Christmas, um, and then click on the shows, click on the Wagner Show if you like, and make your donation. I guarantee you the money will go to a good source. Okay, in, in the last segment of the program, we were talking about um, whether or not we need to go back to lockdowns and things like that. And I, I said, I, I think it's it's a non-starter. It, it is interesting to me, though, how we are going to handle the upcoming holiday season. For example, I sat down and I looked at my month-at-a-glance calendar. I know many of you keep all your, your stuff on your smartphones nowadays. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I, I still, I don't do that. I have, and I have, Ever since I started off as a young lawyer years ago, I have the, these these calendars, and they're they're month at a glance, and it sits on my desk, and I look out so I can just glance at it, and I, every time I have something, I, I write that in, and I was looking at my month at a glance calendar, and I would say that between starting Sunday, and then going until Christmas, so you know, the 10, 12 days, however many days, starting Sunday it is before Christmas. Um, I have, I think there's there's one night that we do not have have something, whether it's you know dinner with friends or invited to a party or um, the grandkids have various Christmas concerts and things like that. I think right now there's one night between Sunday and Christmas Eve and where where we don't have anything. And then of course Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day we've got celebrations that are planned as well. So there's all these different things and it, it's great. It it is wonderful to have all these different, you know, events and these things to do and I'm looking forward to it and I consider myself very blessed that I have friends and family and people that invite me so I, I get to go out and do all these things. But you know, there is of course we're doing this against the backdrop of, of COVID. Now in my particular case, as I've said, I'm I, I I am not worried about COVID. I don't know how else to say that. I, I've had it. I've had both. I had not only both vaccinations, both doses of the vaccination, but I've had a booster shot. So I guess I feel that I have done just about as much as I possibly can to protect myself and to also protect others from me. And and I guess that that's just kind of how I feel about it. And so... I really don't have a hesitation or I don't have any concerns going to these various Christmas parties we've invited to, been invited to. I, I don't have concerns about, you know, going out. We've scheduled, you know, various, you know, holiday dinners with friends and things like that. It's just a concern about COVID is not on my mind. My, my biggest concern is, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working all the way through Christmas and it's kind of like, gosh, doing the show and doing all that and doing the running at night. I'm getting older. I'm going to be tired. <laughs> that's, that's the bigger concern, but I'm really not necessarily that worried about COVID. And I'm certainly not, well, most of the people that most of my friends, most of the people that I interact with, I know have had their vaccinations and boosters. I, I don't know 
for sure about, you know, ev- everybody. For example, a buddy of mine, you know, invited me to a, a dinner on Tuesday night. Sounds wonderful. Said, yeah, I'd love to go. And I, I don't know everybody that's going to be going to the dinner. I don't know if everybody's been vaccinated or not. But I, again, I, I feel as safe as I can possibly be. I raise this point because on Wednesday, Anthony Fauci did an interview with the, the Washington Post. And this is what he said during the interview. He said that families should ask and maybe require that guests be vaccinated if they come over for holiday celebrations. Quote, when you get vaccinated and you have a vaccinated group and you are in indoor setting, you can enjoy, as we have traditionally over the years, dinners and gatherings within the home with people who are vaccinated, Fauci told the Washington Post Wednesday. And that's the reason why people should, if they invite people over to their home, essentially ask and maybe require that people show evidence that they are vaccinated or give their honest and good faith word that they have been vaccinated. Hmm. All right. I, I have never been asked to all these different things that we've been invited to and we're planning to go to. Nobody has ever come out and said, Jeff, are you vaccinated? Do you have your booster shot? Now, I think, again, know who I am. I I make no secret of the fact that that's there. But nobody has ever asked me. And the various people that we have invited over to our house over the course of the next, you know, week and a half, including for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day celebrations, I, I, I mean, I think I know the vaccination status of of most people, but I don't know for sure, and I haven't asked. So Dr. Fauci suggests that maybe before you invite people over for the holidays, before you invite people over for at Christmas party, before you have people over for New Year's Eve, you should ask about their vaccination status. And if someone is not vaccinated, maybe you should not invite them. What do you think about that? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm just trying to think about this. For example, a week from tomorrow night, next Saturday night, um, I, very, very dear friends of ours, they they have a, a concert. They, they, they stage a, a concert. It's really a very, very cool thing. And after the concert, everybody that's invited at the concert is invited to a, a, a local club where they, they have their, their Christmas party. And, it, and it's spectacular, and I look forward to it every year. And, you know, we got the invitation. Sure, we're, we're going to be there. I mean, there was no request on the thing saying, hey, are, and, and I don't know how many people are going to be there, maybe 100, maybe more. They, they weren't asking about vaccination status. But, you know, Anthony Fauci is saying, hey, if you're considering ga- getting together, you know, and it's going to be indoor activities, you should think about asking people whether or not they are vaccinated. And if they're not vaccinated, telling them, that, that maybe they should stay home this year. Now, I, I understand intellectually the thinking behind it, but but how does that play out in, in the real world? If you're having a, a Christmas party, for example, or you're having relatives over for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, are, are you going to be asking those people about what their vaccination status is, especially if you are already vaccinated yourself? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Don and Racine. Hi, Don. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good. What do you think? Well, I was telling your screener that uh, my brother throws a party on Christmas Eve every year, 
that is not only family, but also close friends. And I haven't seen the email yet. It's typically a group email that goes out Mm -hmm. for this invitation. And they are saying they are going to ask that all attendants be fully vaccinated. Um, You know, in reality, we know who is and who is not, just based on conversations. But, you know, with my 83-year-old mother and others in the group that are medically compromised, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, Is your mother going to be at the, or is your mom going to be at the party? She is. Okay, so you're yeah. So all right, thanks for call. Appreciate it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm. This isn't to argue because the individual people are going to have different policies, and obviously, I appreciate that. If if you are somebody who is in one of those high risk categories, which isn't most of us, but if you're somebody that's in one of those high risk categories, there are special precautions that need to be taken. Jeff, I am not interrogating my guests and invited family and friends. I think that's ridiculous. We all know the risks by now. If you don't feel safe, please don't come. Regardless of status, though, you are invited. Um, Jeff, my hairstylist isn't vaccinated. At Thanksgiving, her almost 80-year-old in-laws asked her to take a COVID test. Only her, nobody else. She didn't go, but she also did not go to her family. She was only protecting herself, nobody else. Um, a lot of people going on and ripping on Anthony Fauci. And as I've said before, I think I think part of the problem with him is that he's way, way, way overexposed. And you know, when he ends up opining on these things uh, you know, constantly, especially things that might make sense in an intellectual capacity, but you wonder, you know, again, how they play out in the real world. Jeff, I got invited to my godson's engagement party a few uh, months back. The invitation said proof of vaccination required and masks must be worn. I'm vaccinated, but I said, no, I'm not going with that. That would be an interesting thing as to whether or not, you know, if if I'm having family over on Christmas Eve, and this this is an academic exercise because I believe that my family, to the extent I, I know, my family, my wife's family, I, I think everybody's vaccinated. I, I hope I'm not giving away medical stuff, but I think everybody, I, I'm, I'm almost positive that everybody that's on the guest list is vaccinated. But, but having said that, if, if somebody wasn't, would I not invite would I not invite my nephew? Would I not invite my my niece if they were not vaccinated? Now I believe they are. So again, it's an academic sort of thing. And, and I guess my answer is 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 no. I, I don't think I, I would not in, invite them. Um, I guess I figure that again, from the perspective, if they're going to be going out and about, they they take the, the greater risk that there's going to be bad consequences. But from my perspective, if I've been vaccinated and I had that booster shot, I, I don't think that there's a great chance that I'm going to get it. I understand there's a possibility it could be a breakthrough case. And if they're not in the immune compromised category, I'm not worried I'm necessarily going to get sick in a breakthrough case and then give it to them. And that's kind of a risk that they run. Now, admittedly, in my case, I, I'm not dealing with people who haven't been vaccinated and are immunocompromised. If you had a situation like our first caller, Don, where he says, OK, I've got my 83 year old mother and, you know, we're all trying to be really, really careful around her. Maybe it's a different situation. Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. 
Yeah, hi, good afternoon, Jeff. What do you uh, think? I'm not having a Christmas thing, but I'm, ha- I'm having a New Year's thing. And what I think is uh, I'm inviting people. I don't care if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. My wife and I are. And people have been going out and about in stores and wherever they go. If they feel like coming, uh, you're invited. If you don't feel safe, don't come. But uh, everyone's invited, and uh, I'm not afraid of being out there. Right. So you're not – now, so from the perspective of if people make those individual choices, you're not afraid that somebody's going to come into your house and make you sick, and you're not afraid that you're going to get somebody else sick. It's just – it's in your mind, the risk isn't that great. Uh, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, people don't feel safe, that's their choice not to come, and it's uh, open invite to everyone. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. And oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike. Hit the button. Yeah, I, um, I, I think – and again, I – I, I'm not sure how it would be received if, hey, we're inviting you to this Christmas party, but you're going to have to have your vaccination cards that are out there in order to get in. And I guess my other question is, you know, whether what that really, really does accomplish. If again, the va- if if you are concerned about this, for example, and you're already vaccinated and you don't want to be around people who may or may not be vaccinated, maybe the answer is just just don't have the party or, or don't go to the parties, as opposed to trying to be the the vax card police. I understand people are going to handle this in different ways, and I appreciate what Fauci is saying. At the same time, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to make people show me their vaccination card before they come in the door if we have holiday gatherings or we're going to holiday gatherings over the course of the next couple of weeks.